Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, talking to Krishna and Tim today, and this is part two of the January Basketball Index Power Ranking. So uh, if you missed the first episode, it's, it's the last one in the feed. Just go down one and you'll see it. Uh, we covered teams 11 through 30. Today, we are covering teams 1 through 10. Tim, Krishna, are you ready to uh, round out our top 10? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, let's pull up the data as we like to do in Basketball Index. We are starting uh, with 10. We're going to count down to one. Uh, we're going to talk about Dallas at 10. Uh, Tim, we, me and Krishna had Dallas right around 10. You have them much higher at five. Uh, explain to me the thinking of why you're so high. Uh, well, I think they're a very good basketball team with a superstar player that didn't start out probably playing his best, but now is kind of hitting a stride a bit. Uh, they figured some things out when it comes to Christian Wood and the synergy that they can have between him and Luca. They are a team that has a lot of, you know, they're generating really high quality shots. Often Christian could probably speak to that. Uh, and hopefully I am not wrong in that statement, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, looking at the data I have on my end, um, you know, I have concerns here there with the roster, but there are several guys I, I think are going to perform a little bit better moving forward that haven't quite been themselves. Uh, but in general, I, I think this is a well-run team. I like schematically what they do on both ends of the court. They're very smart and they make the most of, of the personnel available to them. And I think I just have more faith in what they have going on than some of the teams that you guys have a little bit ahead of them. And it's interesting. So I had them at five, you had them 10 and 11. They ended up coming in at 10th. It looks like each of the teams are many of the teams up ahead here. Maybe one of us was high or one of us was low. Um, but yeah, this, I, I like these guys. These guys are fun. This has nothing to do with me living in Dallas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with my partial season tickets. Uh, go maps. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned the uh, generating high-quality looks. Um, they are uh, eighth in the difference between the shot, the quality of looks they're generating and the quality of looks they're giving up. Um, so they have the eighth-best eighth differential there, so that's a good thing. Um, and in terms of uh, actual, in terms of their offensive shot quality generated, uh, they're 11th, which is actually slipped down a bit from, I think the last time we did this, if I remember correctly, they were, they were like third or fourth or something like that. So I'm, I'm not really sure why, but, uh, it seems like they've slipped a bit there. That's interesting. Cause they've been hot recently. And that was, I think another factor for me, I know this isn't a, like, I know other power rankings might be like, who's hot the past week or two. And we're looking kind of full season, but in seeing this team, it appears as though they've figured some things out and I'm kind of buying into those changes they've made. I think they're they're kind of stickier changes than just kind of random little fluky things. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that's dipped a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that looks moving forward. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm buying on Dallas. Yeah, I think specifically the part that's dipped is it seems like, so if I remember correctly, the last time we, we did this pod, they were much higher in terms of the three-point um, looks they were generating, and they've dipped a lot. Uh, now they're 22nd. Um, so that's fallen a lot, I think, from the last time we did this. Um, and, and just kind of watching the Boston game a few days ago, it did seem like they were 
some of the threes they were taking were harder. But, you know, of course, Boston's one of the best defenses or best, I mean, best teams in the league. So <laughs> uh, not the best game to necessarily go off of. But, yeah. So I – okay, so here's the thing with Dallas. I think Luka should win the MVP this year. I think he's the best player in the league. And at the same time, I the reason I have this team right around 10th is because – like in my mind, it's okay. You have the best player in the league, and then it's like, what do you have after that? And it's like you have Dorian Finney-Smith, you have Tim Hardaway Jr., you have Reggie Bullock, you have Christian Wood. Where like you have uh, a pretty good kind of surrounding cast of like solid NBA players, but you don't have like that that secondary star that it seems like it's pretty necessary to win with in the NBA. So I just don't see how Dallas like, Oh, let's just say like hypothetically, I don't know. Basketball works differently. Right. And we want to see who can just beat the most like average teams in the league. Like, let's just say you, you put together uh, like a computer generation of like just an average NBA team. I feel like if Dallas played that team over and over and over again, because they have a solid floor of role players and Luca's so good, like you're going to beat average teams a lot, but versus like high end teams in a seven game series, I just don't see how they beat some of the higher teams up here. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I just, I can't figure out how to move them higher up the power rankings because I'm like, well, I don't think they can beat the Pelicans. I don't think they can beat Milwaukee. I don't think they can beat Denver, Philly. I just don't think they're better than any of these teams. So uh, because of that, that lack of secondary punch from a, a second star on the team, but I don't know, maybe Luca's just good enough to carry a bunch of really solid NBA players. Yeah. Well, we also, we're not looking to, like this is a ranking of how they've done so far this season, regular season in mind. If if we were to like rank these teams in terms of like title contenders thinking playoffs, I think it'd be a little bit different. So that's, I guess, one little pushback to to what you just shared, shared Taylor, is like I would say I am actively trying to avoid trying to think through like how deep can they get in the playoffs because that's, at least with the framing I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that's within the scope. All right. Can I give a interesting Luca stat? Um, so, looking at our our uh, grades for like shooting talent, playmaking, finishing, three point shot making, uh, <laughs> Luca's at an A plus in shooting talent, A plus in playmaking, A plus in finishing, um, and an A in three point shot making. Uh, that's actually a, that three point shot making is down a bit from A plus last year. But the thing that actually really caught my eye was he was a B minus in three and catch and shoot three point shot making last year. And that's down an F this year. So um, I, I guess I don't know if that's a function of like he just never takes any, which is, I think, been something that's been true in general. He doesn't take that many catch and shoot threes, but also he's just not hitting them um, at a, a very good rate. So I. I don't know if this that's going to be something that's going to be important for this team because he's just on ball so much, but um, just something interesting. I just pulled up the regular box score, averaging 34-9-9. Nine nine. Oh, jeez. Uh, all right, we'll move on. Uh, we got Sacramento at 9. Uh, again, this is a similar one where uh, me and Krishna have them around 9 uh, ranked in the power rankings. Tim was a lot higher at four. So we talked about them a lot in the first episode, our power rankings last month. 
and I've come around a little bit on the Kings. I was I was skeptical, uh, but their offense does seem very good. Um, it seems like everything is is flowing together. Uh, they they might have the most energy around uh, any team this season, which is really important. Uh, lighting the beam has been very fun. It's been a great thing on Twitter. Um, it seems like the the morale is extremely high there. Uh, they've improved the talent greatly, and uh, things are going well. I know Sabonis uh, had a, has a thumb injury right now, but it looks like he's going to be an all star. Fox could be an all star. They could have multiple all stars, um, which is really exciting. But yeah, the Kings are are having. A really good season they're probably the story of the year so far and yeah things are just going pretty well for them so an interesting stat i have on the, on the kings here is they are fourth in terms of generating like the difference in quality of looks they're generating shot quality on offense minus shot quality on defense so again that's good you want to you're preventing high quality looks on defense and you're generating high quality looks on offense so uh, that's an interesting stat for the Kings. And, of course, on offense, they're, they're sixth in overall shot quality. So they're a really good offense that's got a very good process behind it. Sorry, I was lighting the beam. Uh, I'll <laughs> add on to that to say, like, the offense checks out from, from watching it schematically. I like what they're doing. They've got some super talented guys. This is also a team that is currently sixth in strength of schedule, taking into account home court advantage and who's available for these games. Uh, they've played a really, really tough schedule and just, and have played a much tougher schedule than any of the other teams that were performing up to their level. Um, so I think that is a very noteworthy thing. They've like Cleveland, Brooklyn, Dallas, the Pelicans, Memphis, Philly, Milwaukee, a, a lot of Denver, a lot of these teams have played easier schedules. Sacramento's played a way, way tougher schedule than them. And moving ahead, they have a crazy easy, uh, like relative to NBA teams, upcoming schedule. Lakers, Magic, Houston, Houston, Spurs, Lakers, OKC, Philly, Memphis, Toronto, Minnesota, Minnesota, Spurs, uh, Pacers, Pelicans, Rockets, Rockets. Um, there are certainly some tough teams in there, but I think that's about as easy of a stretch as they're going to have this year. And so I would expect that the results from a record standpoint and from an attention standpoint for this team broadly nationwide over this span of time are going to catch up to what those process elements have looked like that Krishna just mentioned that I was just bringing up with the scheme I think as long as they stay relatively healthy, they should be rolling through this next stretch. And the next time we go through this exercise, uh, we're going to see them just much, much higher in the standings and the perception around them change. So I, you know, want to get out a little, a little bit ahead of it. Cause I think there's a really good team in here that uh, has just been, you know, fighting tough battles so far and the roads a lot easier ahead. They're about to hit the, the downhill portion of the, the marathon. Yeah, so uh, the, our luck-adjusted numbers actually really like them and uh, suggest they have gotten a bit unlucky. Um, I, I think that so the opponent three-point percentage was something that stood out a lot last time. I think that's come down a bit, um, but it's still, I think, one of the higher figures in the league. So um, they are due for some upward um, regression, I guess I should say. <laughs> 
the one thing that's a little concerning is their three-point shooting has kind of come back down to earth. Harrison Barnes is at 31%. De'Aaron Fox is at 34%. Malik Monk down at 32%. Um, Davion Mitchell at 30%. That's a little bit of – Herter's been really good. Herter's still at 42% on really high volume. But uh, the three-point shooting, I feel like, started off really hot at the beginning of the season. Um, that's one thing that's a little bit of a concern. But, uh, yeah, that, that easy schedule I'm- I think is going to help, though. I would expect that would actually go up. It's good. The it's the ebbs and flows. You start out hot, yeah. then you got cold. Now you're gonna go back to normal. That's a that's a good call. Um, yeah. So Kings, uh, Kings at nine on our power rankings. Let's move on to Philly at eight. Um, we were all kind of in agreement here. Philly's one of those teams where it's like they they just have a lot of talent. Uh, obviously, you have Embiid, you have Harden, Maxi. I know's missed time, but they are. A good team. It's interesting. They have uh, they have quite a few d- defensive specialists on their team. Uh, they got PJ Tucker. They got Thibel. Uh, Mel- Melton can do a little bit more. Melton's having a good year. I think he's shooting forty percent from three. Uh, I'm probably I would assume pretty good quality. But uh, they have a lot of defensive oriented players on their roster, which I like. They're a little they're a little stiff sometimes. I feel like when I watch them in the regular season, but it's one of those things like they just have too much talent for me to have them really be any lower than this. And uh, I think I posted something on Harden's playmaking uh, throughout his career. It was basically his playmaking talent every single season, right? So you could see, you know, early in Houston, it was very good and it was rising and then had that three-year peak uh, in the late 2010s where he was just on another planet in terms of scoring and both playmaking. And then the Nets slash Philly Harden is kind of more in line playmaking wise with the early Houston years where it's still very good. Cause I think there was a little bit of time where it was, it was hard to see, especially he had missed a lot of time with the injuries in Brooklyn where it was like, well, we know he's not, you know, top three player in the league anymore, James Harden, but where is he exactly? And he seems to have leveled out the last two years uh, in terms of like kind of early Houston production, which is still a really good player. And I feel like that visualization helps you understand um, how far he's fallen because that's what we were trying to figure out. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely a step, maybe two steps down from that super elite player, but he still is like a high end player, still an all-star player. And I feel like that data the other day just sort of helped cement that fact in my head. I think one of the other things with Phillies, they've had a lot of guys in and out of the, I mean, mainly their, their two stars have missed like Embiid's missed the last two games. Harden missed like a month. Um, Maxi's missed a lot of time. So I don't know if we've actually seen them at like full strength. And I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like because at the beginning of the year, we did see that and they didn't get off to the best start. So um, I think I, I kind of mentioned, are they one of those teams where um, the sum of the parts is actually like less than you would expect? Um, but where like if there's a guy out, they're actually real, they can handle it really well. Um, but you know, I, like we just had to be, we really only had the beginning of the season in terms of, uh, their team being fully healthy. So I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. Are you guys, are your seatbelts on? Are you buckled in? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Here we go. Why, why pick up your bingo cards? Because on this team, we have a superstar who's had a lot of back troubles throughout his career, Joel oh. Embiid, but he's having a fantastic season flanked by a guy who's now slotted very well in Tobias Harris, now has the highest shot quality of his career by far. We have an all-name team guy on this team with Shake Milton, 
Uh, he's playing some Wingstopper this year, which I think is interesting. We have analytics darling D'Anthony Melton <laughs> on the squad, the 3 and D that he's bringing to the table. And then there's P.J. Tucker as well, who it just is at unfathomable levels in a lot of our headshot plots of just, like, not doing anything, which I think is really funny. Um, <laughs> like, really high matchup difficulty with, like, the lowest offensive load I think I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> I, I he wasn't a big card guy, but like it, it, and then Harden has bounced back. <laughs> so I like this group. And then there's Maxi, and he's exciting, and... He's young. So, like, there's a lot I like about this team. I think they've the pieces have clicked to, together. They've had the same puzzle pieces, but they've rearranged them in a way that makes more sense now. And this team's – I don't know what the hell if they played yesterday or if they won or lost. Yesterday doesn't matter to me. Uh, we started doing this podcast recording on Friday, and we're doing this one today on Saturday. So I'm not updating the data I'm using at this. But they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Super hot. Uh, and and I, I like this Philly team. Uh, they lost yesterday, but Embiid didn't play in the game. So. Okay, that doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> this is all. This is a continuation upon our podcast from Friday. So uh, Friday's games, I, I refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> wow, Tim, I, that was that was a masterclass in just incorporating. That was like a Mad Libs of basketball index. The only way that could be better is if they traded for Dean Wade. Um, mm. Wow, I, I'm clipping that. I'm clipping that. That's going in the best of show. At the end of next year, you guys can mark your calendars. That's that's when that's coming out. That was really good, by the way. The one you did for uh, 2022. If, if anyone's listening and hasn't listened to that yet, go check that out. It's not super long or anything. It's it's funny. It's short. It's it's really good. Good work on that. Thanks. It's also got a killer uh, little interlude music in between the segments. I found that, and I was, yes. that gave me inspiration. I was like, oh, I got to make an episode with clips now because that oh, little that little so jingle so good. It's so good. It's so perfect for what it is, too. I, I love it. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I think that that's that's a I think we explained Philly that that might be the that might be the explanation team explanation of the two part basketball ranks. I feel like we described Philly really well there. Um, let's move to Denver. We have Denver at seven in our power rankings. I had Denver at one. I have Denver as the yeah. best team. I think Denver's going to win the championship. They are steamrolling. Joker, I think Joker in my mind, like Luka's 1A for the MVP. I think Joker's 1B. And everything around them is rolling. Uh, Gordon's playing some of the best, probably the best basketball of his career, playing at a super high level. Um, the role player, uh, role players they added in the offseason, KCP and Bruce Brown, are both excelling, playing exceptional. I... Love this team. There's still plenty of time for Jamal Murray. I know he's dealing with some knee soreness to, you know, get back to what he was. I, I feel like as the season's gone on, there's been a, you know, bright spot here, bright spot there, you know, still half a season left to go. I feel like Denver is playing extremely well right now and are poised to kind of peak heading into the playoffs. So can I give you a worrisome Denver stat for you then? Oh yeah. Um, they have the fifth worst uh, defensive shot quality. So meaning that teams are getting the fifth best uh, shots, uh, quality of shots against Denver. And, you know, that's that's not good. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> and, you know, they also have really bad rim protection. Yes. Uh, as yeah. a team. So I think there's a lot to be worried about with their defense. Um I now they might like in the playoffs they might just be able to outscore everybody which like I, I think their offense is phenomenal but 
I, I do have some questions about their defense. Yeah, I feel like if they could go out at the trade deadline and find a, a really athletic forward uh, that's lanky, um, that offers some supplemental rim protection, I feel like that would be really helpful. I don't know how you're going to... It, it's difficult, right? Because like you, you're going to play Gordon and you're going to play Joker so much where it's like, how are you going to get additional help there at the rim? And I, I think that's the route you take. Um, so it's they're not going to be able to fix that problem. But I think it's going to be one of those things like they're going to overwhelm people on offense. And if they can just be like we always talk about the opposite, right, where it's like if you can be like a, a really good defense and just be like have like a solid offense with a star, maybe you can win some games. It's like the opposite here where it's like have just like the best offense and just be solid on defense. And I think you'll be all right. I have similar concerns to Krishna, the defense needs to be better uh the team has been rolling lately they do have the fourth easiest strength of schedule on the season that's something to consider and i i noticed that in the luck adjusted data they didn't shine quite as quite as well as they do in the raw data i think they were one of the teams with the large one of the larger differences they, I, so, I believe they have the largest difference like in in okay. both the two luck adjustments i did they they were the team that really stood out to me in terms of like their net ratings so much better than their luck adjusted net rating Mm, okay. Yeah. So there you go. It's one of those, like what people are seeing is, is what's happened, but what they're seeing isn't probably the most sustainable given the process behind it. So I am pumping the brakes a little bit, uh, but this is certainly a team that can make a run. And I think, and, and, you know, disagree with me here. I think Denver, Philly, Sacramento, and Dallas are all teams that have, the potential to be a really frisky team that could beat anybody in the playoffs. If things fall their way, they've got the firepower or the combination of offense and defense with Sacramento. Um, I don't think they're top tier title contenders, but like they're really close. And uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you think it does it make sense to group these teams together from your perspective? That, I, I was a little surprised at the grouping there. Like I, I think I do kind of believe more, a little bit more in, in Denver than Dallas in the playoffs, just because, as Taylor mentioned, like Denver feels like they have secondary creation. Although, I mean, I, I guess Dallas's defense is so much better. So maybe I'm kind of underestimating that aspect. But uh, and Philly, I think uh, I think it, it's kind of hard to say with Philly because like I would just like to see them fully healthy a bit more. But um, I, I might like their talent the most out of all of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't quite think there is at like the top of the East either, but I, I, I yeah, I, there's upside, but there are holes in each of these groups. So, but I, I still think they're a good bit ahead of like Phoenix, Golden State, uh, and then getting into the next tier, Portland and New York. The way I kind of see this tier, right. Or Dallas, Sacramento, Philly, Denver, right. So Dallas and Sacramento, I feel like are frisky where it's like, yeah, I don't really want to play them in a playoff series. Um, I think Philly and Denver are are out of the first like frisky tier. I think they're like like Philly, I think, is the last viable team to where I'm like, oh, like this team can make a finals like it's like that. I don't think that would be like shocking to anybody like it would be surprising maybe if they beat a team or two in the in the playoffs that are better than them. But like the Philly in the Eastern Conference finals, I feel like that's like you, you look at like if you look at it back in two years where it's like, oh, well, Harden was still like hanging on and like Embiid was basically at his peak and like they had, they had some role players where 
it's not crazy. Um, I feel like Sacramento and Dallas for me, there's a there's like a separation between uh, Denver and Philly and, and Sacramento and Dallas. I, I'm I think I'd probably be with you there. For me, I think the thing with the Kings is like I I think playoff experience is probably important, and I don't like I don't I. I don't love teams that are in like their first playoffs, like just in terms of uh, being able to advance further. Like if if you're telling me if you're if the arguments like between Denver and Sacramento, just based on the season alone, like I, 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 I don't you know, I think I understand the argument for Sacramento over Denver. But just I think from a playoff experience standpoint, I guess that's where for me, I'm, I'm not quite sure about okay. Like, yeah, I, no, I, I think, think that's fair. I'm going to... I think Denver smashed the Kings in a playoff <laughs> series. Um, one other thing Denver could do is they could maybe try to, like, trade for maybe someone like Alex Caruso, go perimeter defense. Like, they brought in KCP, they brought in Bruce Brown. If they bring in another perimeter defender, maybe try to have, like, really strong point of attack defense to make, like, make the rim defense, like, that's not great, like, less of an issue. I don't know. There's a couple different routes they could go adding just, like, a piece or role player. But let's move on. Let's move on. We have. I no- think, hmm. oh, I just had one more uh, question for you guys. Like, um, to me, part of the issues maybe with Denver might be their starting lineup where I think Murray and Porter on defense, uh, I don't know if you can play both of them. Like, both of them in a playoff series. Like, Murray's got to get a lot better on deep. Like, I, I feel like Murray's defense has really slipped this year, and his uh, defensive EPM this year is minus 0.3, which isn't terrible. But um, I think for, you know, given the issues that Denver has um, and the lack of rim protection, you kind of like to have, like, all-around better defenders around Jokic. Yeah, I, I think that's – I mean – hot take here if i you can't like it just you can't do it in real life but in 2k i would be like can i trade jamal murray (laughs) um (laughs) but in real life like it wouldn't work um but yeah let's let's move on to uh let's move on milwaukee uh we have them at six i you guys are you guys are lower on milwaukee i had them at three krishna had them at seven tim had them at nine i lately <laughs> i mean okay here's the thing right but like we're counting the whole season right like lately sure I guess, I guess. but also middleton has played like what less than two because everyone like keeps watching them and it's like oh man they need like a little more creation on offense like they like this 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 is a they're a little flat there and it's like well yeah but like one of their best players like basically hasn't played the entire year so i feel like that's gonna help but they're another team where like if they could add another wing that you know with a little creation, a little shooting. I know every team basically could add that, but I'm Milwaukee's defense. They actually might be over indexed on defense. Like a lot of their role players are really strong defenders, um, which it feels like you could never have too much of until you do. And then you're like, Oh, we need a little more offensive pop. Um, I'm not worried because like they started out so strong and they, they still have their big three on the roster. And I feel like once Middleton, you know, gets up to like 500, 600 minutes, some of those concerns are going to fade away at some level. So I have a hot take. Would you, my hot take is I might prefer Philly over them at the moment. Whoa. Yeah. I, I think that my hot take is just for that is just for the reason that like, at some point, you have to actually be healthy and show you're healthy for me to like 
care about your full strength. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I have seen so little of Middleton this year, and he obviously got injured last year and came back from the injury, got injured again. And at this point, I think I'm just like, am I going to ever see this team, like, fully healthy? And, um, yeah, I I guess – and I I just like the way Philly is playing better. Like, Milwaukee's just – their shooting has been – poor this year let's just say like their and their offensive shot quality is uh 14th in the league um okay they actually are ahead of philly (laughs) so um yeah it's a bit of a hot take but you know what i I, it's probably a hot take i should take back that's gonna (laughs) that's not a hot take hang on hang on no 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 let me back you up here i milwaukee yes we've seen them be really really good in previous seasons we have not seen them be really really good this season one of their key pieces, their most realistic path to improving their team and being a competitor is getting Chris Middleton back and him being himself. We don't know if he'll be himself. He's played less than 200 minutes on the season. He, like you mentioned, got injured last year and this year. Uh, It's a knee injury, right? Yeah, it's a knee injury. Um, I'm not just taking for granted that like he'll come back and everything will be fine with them. They're an old group. we, I don't know if anyone saw the uh, scatter plot that I think it was a headshot plot that Taylor tweeted out the other day from the BBI account that showed offensive load versus matchup difficulty and how far out <laughs> on his own island Drew Holiday is. He's 32 years. He's in his age 32 season and he's kicking butt this year. But that dude is like he's doing everything. He's working overtime. Uh, and you have to wonder if he can keep that up at this level of, of production and impact. So I, I don't know. I, I have questions about who they are, what they've been so far, where they're going. They're not the most impressive in the luck adjusted data. Uh, they've, you know, not played one of the easier schedules or one of the harder schedules, but I am fully, you know, I'm expecting him to get back and them to look better, but just due to the fact that it's not like he's played, 800 minutes this year and then just recently went out it's he hasn't really played so you have to build in some degree of uncertainty and because of that i'm in more wait and see mode with this team yeah so they are 11th in in luck adjusted net rating actually quite a bit below the sixers so from that standpoint my my take is defensively i guess but um, yeah, like I, I think the thing with Middleton is he I he's in the games he played this year, he wasn't very good. So I think that's the other thing where mm-hmm. and obviously he got injured once again, maybe with the same injury. I I, I don't know. <laughs> is it is it the same injury that that's been keeping him out recently? I, I just um, watch highlights, I don't, I don't read injury reports. <laughs> Um, um, so it's an unknown, but okay. So here's, here's my thing, right? Like y- you hook drew holiday up to a Gatorade IV, right? He's working very hard this year. That'll, that'll be fine. And if you were to be like, Hey, any team that has like a, a sort of a big three, one of them's going to be missing for like almost the first half of the season in your two games out of first place. It's like, um, I know there's some concerns with this teams, but I think it's helped. They've won before. And then also like they're two games out of first place where I don't, I can't, I can't be that concerned if you're, you've missed a player that is pretty important to your offensive production. You're still that good. If you or someone, you know, has mainlined Gatorade, 
please contact a health professional immediately. <laughs> Basketball index does not endorse. No, you can do that. You can just put it right in there. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. The red, that's what fruit punch, you fruit punch right in there. It's fine. Your body doesn't know the difference between that and blood. Uh, let's move on. So we are going to recap. We had Dallas at 10. We had Sacramento at 9. Philly. I should recap more probably when we do these episodes. Uh, Dallas at 10. Sacramento at 9. Philly at 8. Denver at 7. Milwaukee at 6. And we have the Pelicans at 5. So we are now in the top 5. The Pelicans are a team that I like a lot. But I feel like we just kind of keep going around and around saying the same thing where it's like, well, I would love to see what they look like with Brandon Ingram and Zion playing together. I, CJ McCollum started out with a huge shooting, uh, shooting slump. He's been a little better as of late. Um, but I, I want to see, you know, is is this team going to be greater than the sum of their parts? Because I do have a little bit of concern with Zion and Ingram playing together and how that looks and how that isn't just your turn, my turn. I don't have concerns. Uh, I, I I like them. I think they're good. I think the team is good. I think they're coached well. Uh, Herb Jones, if you'll recall from the last podcast, he and Christian Coloco were the two guys that had Fs across the board from a shot making standpoint and then all the major offensive talent grades. He's been a tricky guide for them. Uh, I've seen chatter around, like, do we have him close games? Can we have him close games? Because he's not seen as a threat, and that's really challenging for their offense. However, he is a monster defensively. Dyson Daniels is fantastic. He is one of four rookies this year that has uh, average or higher grades in on-ball defense, ball screen navigation, off-ball chaser defense, and matchup difficulty. So he's a nice find for them. Uh, I, I think Trey Murphy's been he's been a much bigger part of what they've done this year. And he was a missing part for them last year. Like he played. He wasn't played enough. He wasn't played enough in the playoffs. And his shooting's very helpful for them. CJ, like you mentioned, Taylor, he started slow. He's been much hotter recently. And I feel fine about him. I feel fine about Zion. Once Ingram's back, I feel fine there. Like this team has a lot of talent. And I think they're coached well. And, you know, just looking at how they've performed thus far – I, you, I, I got to have them up there. So I'm, I like these guys. I think they're legit. Uh, we had them six, seven, and five uh, between our three rankings, and I think for a very good reason. So I'm going to pour a little cold water here. Uh, <laughs> the Pelicans are actually, in terms of the difference between our luck-adjusted uh, net ratings and actual net rating, they are the luckiest team. And uh, that's primarily driven by their defense, where um, – Opponents' shot quality, uh, they're uh, 24th in the league in opponent shot quality. Um, so meaning that's that's a bad thing. Um, and I so I think I, I do wonder if there's a bit of smoke and mirrors, I guess, a bit to their defense. Um, at, at least certainly these, these uh, luck-adjusted numbers are not uh, that much a fan of their defense. Um, but then, of course... As you mentioned, they have not been healthy. So, um, you know, how much of how much do you weigh? Maybe whatever you might expect their defense to regress to versus the fact that they've just not been healthy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair question. Okay, so I, I guess their most important injury is Ingram, and he's not an add on the defensive end. So I don't know that he really helps them on on that. And per se, uh, I think he'll certainly elevate the offense, but 
I don't I wouldn't look at this team and say, oh, like this is a def- you know, this is a really good defensive team that's just missing its guys. I think this is a mediocre middling defensive team at best that offensively is just has a bunch of firepower when healthy. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to quickly explain why they're uh, the difference in their in their luck adjusted net rating and uh, actual net rating on defense. They are first in opponent three point percentage. So essentially what that means is that you would expect that to re- regress a bit towards the mean. And uh, that's part of the reason their their defensive splits are uh, part of the reason they're getting lucky on defense. I think something that's interesting is I'm looking at their EPM right now, and Zion has a pretty good defensive EPM. Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, uh, Najee Marshall, you talked about Dyson Daniels. They have a lot of good defenders that aren't bigs, um, but they have enough of them where I'm kind of – it's sort of what I was talking about with the Nuggets where it's like if you have enough defenders that are good that are not your saying you have four guys, like that's an interesting mix. Um, I think the biggest weakness of this team is – uh, defensively at center. Uh, Valanchunas is a pretty interesting offensive player, but um, has some slow feet on defense. It does help they have Larry Nance Jr. who can kind of play like that hybrid role. Uh, I, but I'm interested to see when they get into high leverage situations um, if that comes back to bite them at all because it is tough to play defense when you don't have a really strong rim protector. But uh, yeah, they're they're a good team. They have a lot of talent. I think they're probably one of the deeper teams in the league. And uh, they also have some high-end players, especially in Zion. So I know he's going to miss some time, but he's been it's been so fun to watch him. He's been so dominant. And it's one of those things where, like, you can just tell watching him play where you're like, so this guy's just on another level and will be for, like, the next 10 years. Um, yeah, I think things are uh, going well for the Pelicans. Uh, let's talk about Memphis. We have Memphis at 4. Um, I think this is a really exciting team. I think they have the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. I was actually trying to figure out how to bet on <laughs> bet on that last night. Um, I think he hasn't played a ton because he missed the beginning of the season, but he has been just an absolute monster on defense. And I think this team is going to be... Uh, they're, they're very good right now, and I think they're just going to get more dangerous because I don't think... Morant, Bain, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. have really, like really spent any or like very little time together this season. So do yeah, you... and oh, go ahead, Tim. I, I was going to say so. Jaw has a D plus overall shot making. That's fairly low for him. Uh, I remember looking through. I think it was rim shot creation. Desmond Bain was like the largest faller from last year to this year. Or maybe it was three point shot making. Like he's not quite been himself and he's, he's dealt with his injuries. Uh, and JJ triple J has, has come back and played really, really well. And he continues to ascend, but still has played less than 600 minutes on the year. This is a, a good group. My, the reason I had them lower than the two of you was just how easy their schedule has been so far. And like, I know lately they've beaten some teams, uh, but that is part of how you get to the results you get to. And I am, waiting for them to kind of like prove it over this next stretch and like continue to win tougher games because they've done their fair share of talking and haven't quite backed it up so far this season. And so for that reason, I, I believe in them, but I haven't, you know, not enough to like rank them ahead of these other teams that have been doing it already. So how worried are you guys about their half court offense in the playoffs? Like, (laughs) I I guess that's my question is like, what do you think of their, 
ceiling in the playoffs. They seem to be, um, I, I think they're probably likely to be one of the best regular season teams. Um, that's that's kind of obvious, but just kind of wondering where do you see their playoffs uh, ceiling? Yeah, that was actually, I was going to bring that up. Uh, so, so good of you to hit on that. But it is a concern. Because like you have Jaw, right? Jaw's gonna be able to make things happen. He's gonna be your igniter, and like it doesn't really matter what you put in front of him. That's always going to create. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s hitting thirty six percent of his threes this year. That is helpful as well. Provide spacing. Uh, you can play a second big with him depending on the matchups. But that's the thing where like it. The the biggest problem with this team is that Dylan Brooks is scoring like and has been for the last couple of years, like 17 points a game on just like Russell Westbrook efficiency. And I I was trying to figure out if like just simply that like stops you from being able to beat super high end teams like you just can't you can't be that efficient and shoot the ball that much and expect to win no matter how good your defense is. I don't know. Maybe for the 4 Pistons you can do it. But Are you saying they need to trade Dylan Brooks? I, well, okay. So did you guys see a quote came out? So, like, there's a lot of the times where you're like, I'm not sure how aware this player is to the greater situation or, you know, there's inner war, there's things going on on teams we don't know about. There's a miscommunication between fans and, and players, right? But Dylan Brooks had a quote the other day where he's like, I play, I guard the best guys and I try really hard. So like everyone on my team should like, there's an assumption that I'm just going to jack up a bunch of terrible shots. And I was like, this guy knows he's doing like the worst part. Like the thing that like probably stops him from being like a, a top 75, maybe top 100 player, maybe, maybe he's in that mix, is that like he's just a chucker that can't put the ball in the basket, but he's a very good defender. And I'm like, he's aware of his like fatal flaw and he's just doing nothing about it. That like, to me, like that's just insane. I had not seen that. That's interesting. And I mean, you know, hopefully they're managing the locker room well and working through that. If they do move him, uh, I do want to point out, like, he is the, the drop off between who he guards from a matchup difficulty standpoint and the next closest guy is gigantic. Uh, they don't have a guard or a wing in like the B range if we're looking at uh, dynamic grades for players who've played 500 or more minutes this year. Like, he has an A, and then Bain has a C, and Contra has a C, Jaws at a D, Tyus Jones at an F. Like, they. I, they what he brings defensively is very important for them. But I did want to ask about their defense, uh, Krishna. What does the shot quality data look like for them defensively? Because, I, like their half court offense is not good. The pick and roll game has not been good. Their post up game has not been good. They run a ton in transition and they get a lot of their points from there. So I, to answer your question from earlier, yes, I am concerned about the half court offense in the playoffs, especially based on who they're playing and what coverages they'll run. Uh, but defensively, this is a team that's been very, very effective in the raw data. But what does, like, from a process standpoint, how are they yeah, doing? Is there smoke and mirrors here, or is this, like, a legit top defensive team? Yeah, so what's kind of interesting is they're 20th in defensive shot quality. Um, and, mm. yeah, that, that's a lot. Ah, of uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I think it primarily seems to be so they're allowing – really easy threes in terms of if you look at the shot quality and threes they allow um their their 23rd in uh on shot quality on threes and on twos 
they are 17th. So not really that great all around um, <laughs> in, in terms of the shot quality numbers. Um, and in terms of like their, let's see, where were they in, in luck adjusted defensive rating? Um, they are still third in luck adjusted defensive rating. So um, I, I think one of the things, they, they are really good at protecting the rim. Um, so I think, you know, J Jackson's just an outstanding rim protector. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Those numbers kind of surprised me. Do you have any insight as to why, Tim? I, I don't, I mean, they have several very good defenders and then they have a lot of, a lot of other guys I don't think are value add on that end. I, that, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by that. I also know that like in addition to the, the shooting numbers themselves, they're not turning over teams at a high rate. They're an average team from a defensive rebounding standpoint. They're around an average team from an opposing uh, free throw rate standpoint. So it's it's not like you're like, oh, they give up some high quality shots, but you'll never grab an offensive rebound. You're turning the ball over over the time and you never get to the free throw line. Like they're not dominating in the four factors in the way that I would expect a team uh, like this to you know, with this sort of defensive rating to be doing. So I think this is going to fall back down to earth and they've had the second easiest strength of schedule this year so far. So I, that's like, there's all, this team needs to prove a lot to me. They've been good, but they, they, from a schedule standpoint and a process standpoint have major question marks. Yeah. They're only 17th in uh turnover percentage on defense, which is surprising to me because um, I think last year they were, uh, I want to say they were like top five probably last year, right? Let, let me pull that up. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. Considering how important generating turnovers is to their offense, the fact that they're 17th is not a great sign for them. Mm -hmm. uh, they were last, fourth last year. Yeah, they were fourth last year. Yeah. Um, that's not a great sign for them in terms of sustaining their offense in the playoffs because if they're not going to be able to generate a ton of turnovers. It's going to be harder for them on offense. And, you know, as we all know, their half-court offense isn't uh, anything great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they... Uh, I really like this team a lot, but it does seem like they're an offensive player away because, like, they probably just... Or, I don't know, maybe one of their young players takes a jump. They just need more offensive pop in the half-court. Like, it's just not high enough Uh to be a, a top team, but everything else um, from like a roster standpoint, I do like, I'm like, okay, John Morant as the star. Yeah. Jaron Jackson jr. Is like the two way player. That makes sense. Desmond Bain. Like, yeah, I like that. And then like you have your defensive specialist and Dylan Brooke, like where there's a lot of things you have Brandon Clark athleticism off the bench can catch lobs, like has a, a little floater. Like there's a lot to like, but yeah, it's just like, one that one puzzle piece in the middle that connects everything might might I don't know help push them over the edge. All right, let's move on to Brooklyn at three. So Brooklyn is the hottest team in the NBA. They have Durant, they have Kyrie Irving playing at a really high level. Nick Claxton has taken a giant leap this year, and they have just from a name standpoint, maybe like the most bench three-point shooting I've ever seen on a roster. Um, they are rolling. What have you guys been seeing out of them? 
I think you've mentioned several of the major pieces. Katie, Kyrie, they've been playing like stars. Claxton is, uh, I'm interested to see how the role player vote, the fan vote turns out, the role player all-star thing, but I would imagine he's going to be really, really up there. He might be like an all-star all-star. The shooting you've mentioned already, Ben Simmons, they've done a really good job with him in more recent times, shifting his role for him to be kind of like a Draymond type of guy, which has helped connect a lot and I think helps unlock a lot schematically for them when you when you unlock his passing in that way and use him as a screener on and off ball. So I, I think that's been really helpful for them. And then you've got guys like Royce O'Neal that, you know, offense and defense, they, they've got star power, three and D, they've got shooting, they've got that glue guy with Simmons, they've got the defensive rim protection and mobility with Claxton. Like, I really like what they have going on. I'm not surprised that on paper they've uh i'm not surprised with what they've done compared based on how they look on paper i think i'm more surprised how, how they've done considering how much of a mess this team looked earlier in the year and i think the coaching shift for them has been really important and they've gotten a much better hold from a game planning standpoint an adjustment standpoint and uh from a locker room standpoint as well and that's that's helped everything kind of click into place for them yeah so in uh in the luck adjusted ratings they're actually third in luck adjusted net rating uh and that's 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 the version using like the shot quality so um and in on defense they're 10th in uh defensive shot quality so uh their defense seems to be pretty good definitely way better than i would have expected and honestly like they're a they're a true contender (laughs) um i think like yeah it's just kind of surprising from where we were like a month ago. Um, but I think if you're looking at the playoffs, um, it would probably, so like for the regular season, I think you can debate them and the team we have just above them. But for the playoffs, I think you would probably take them over the Cavs um, and probably ahead of, and ahead of obviously Milwaukee and Philly and the rest of the East teams, um, probably only behind our number one team. Anyone kind of disagree with that or? Yeah, I disagree with that. Um, you do. I, okay, so this is my biggest my biggest problem with the Nets is they have Nick Claxton as their defender who's doing everything around the basket. And then after that, yes, they do have Kevin Durant and they do have Ben Simmons who are tall people, but they don't have like any other defensive they don't really have any more other bigs on the roster besides Nick Claxton. And you get into a playoff series, he gets three quick fouls in the first half and he has to sit for an extended period of time. And all of a sudden I see like, basically there's a, there's a referee can decide whether this defense is going to play at a really high level in a couple of playoff games that scares me. And I think they need to do something to help solidify their, uh defensive big rotation situation because it seems like there's so much riding on nick claxton to not commit fouls where i could see that really becoming an issue in the playoffs very quickly they, I am they should go curious how they defend and beat in the playoffs with just yeah like as you mentioned the the lack of depth among their bigs and like if you're if they're facing philly uh how do they defend and beat with like so few bigs they're gonna double the hell out of them uh yeah (laughs) looking at how brooklyn operates you've pointed out taylor the both of you 
like roster wise where there are question marks and some holes here. I think this could, this team could use a, a trade for a backup big. Like, I don't know if they can go get Damian Jones from the Lakers who is on a coverage that on a team that only runs drop coverage and he doesn't <laughs> do that. He likes to switch. He likes to run mobile coverages. He was really good at that in Sacramento. He is worthless to the Lakers because they don't run that style. Brooklyn does. And the Lakers are trying to unload guys and, and add other players that can make sense but he has a player option, so they can't just cut him. So Brooklyn could probably, you know, trade for him for free, basically, if they wanted to, or someone like him to help bolster there. But when we look at them defensively from a schematic standpoint, this is one of the most versatile teams in the league. They switch a ton. And because they switch a ton, also because they don't crash the offensive boards, they really focus on getting back. They have the lowest offensive rebounding percentage in the NBA. And they have one of the lower free throw rates in the NBA. This is a really good shooting team, a mid-range team, down to their stars. Uh, but defensively, they don't let you get out in transition. They're one of the lower teams in the NBA in terms of just opportunities for opponents to get in transition. And that matters. Um, that matters a lot. And then the other key thing for them is, you know, pick and roll game and off screens, off screen actions are two of, well, not really off screen actions. Pick-and-roll basketball is the thing in the NBA. That is the action. And teams struggle to create out of the pick-and-roll against them because they just switch everything. And what it's resulted in teams having to do is isolate, which the Nets face a ton, 93rd percentile, from a frequency standpoint. And it makes teams post up a ton, 97th percentile. And when they're in those situations, what we see the, the Nets do is they send hard doubles. And because of that, like your post players aren't actually getting shots up. Your ISO guys aren't themselves getting shots up. They take you out of your sets, make you play one V one ball, but then help really aggressively and rotate behind it. And then you're just kind of scrambling around and trying to beat them in a scramble drill with your role players after a kick out and you're trying to drive and kick. And I think that's a much better setup for them than if they were to just play like drop coverage or something and get ripped apart. So there are like, they're not the traditional defensive power, but what they do makes sense. It makes sense for their roster. And it's something that I don't see just going away this regular season or in the playoffs. So I'm I'm buying in a little bit more. I think they've been about as smart as you can be about optimizing these guys defensively. Yeah, I think they probably have in terms of like the their playoff ability, I think they're probably like um like Boston's just more talented, but to me, like they're they're that number two in the east kind of easily because uh, for Cleveland, to me, it comes kind of comes down to experience. Um, like they don't really have any playoff experience, right? So, um, but yeah, like just I, I think what they're doing is going to translate well to the playoffs. So, um, I think that's kind of why I, I think I might have had them second, and <laughs> I mean that might have been why I had them ahead of Cleveland, which is maybe not the right <laughs> way to rank them because Cleveland probably has been better in the regular season if you're looking at the entire regular season. Um, and I think we can move on to Cleveland now, who is our second uh, ranked team. Wait, um, hold on, and- hold on. I got I got some things to say about the Nets. So, one, okay. <laughs> are the Nets what the Raptors were trying to do? You have Durant, Claxton, and Ben Simmons. 
You have hyper switchability. Royce O'Neal can guard up too because he's a pretty strong guy. Like ob- obviously Durant is a little bit of a, a different thing because he's just like a top five star in the league. But like it was this is this the idea of what the Raptors are were trying to put together? Uh, it's similar. I wouldn't say it's the same thing. I think Toronto was hoping for like a degree of homogeneity from a type of player standpoint, size wise. And then they are way more creative in terms of using different types of defenses. Brooklyn kind of knows what they want to do defensively. It's very aggressive, but it's not as varied as how Toronto's operating. But they are similar. And then also, can we really trust Kyrie Irving? Well, one, he never gets through a season healthy. And also, I'm worried that he's going to come out and be like, uh, during the playoffs, he's going to be like, oh, I, I can't. I can't cross freshwater rivers until the summer solstice because of whatever. (laughs) And that, that concerns me. I'm just, you'd be, to me, it's crazy to depend on Kyrie Irving. Oh, a hundred percent agree there. I I don't. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't really disagree with that. Like I wouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Even from an injury standpoint, he's been injured a lot throughout his career too. Even, even if it's not something else, like it, he he is kind of more injury prone. Yeah, maybe he'll tone it down, or the, the injury oh, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm know, sure. But I'm maybe sure he'll tone down the other stuff. Down. Yeah, because we've we've been in for a decade. <laughs> he's a wild card. He's a wild card for sure. <laughs> uh, perhaps the coaching change and the fact that there's a bit more synergy with the team in the locker room makes him more engaged in his work and more more interested and and you know willing to set aside some of those things but i don't he's definitely a wild card for sure i think that's that is a fair uh level of uncertainty that it's it's hard to evaluate um but i don't i don't know how you predict stuff like that you're saying he's less likely to cut the brakes as the wild card because he's he's happier right now yeah potentially (laughs) all right uh, that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> Let's uh, that was an always sunny reference. Uh, Cleveland at number two. Um, Cleveland is a team that I you know, actually so I had him ranked the lowest out of <laughs> out of, of us three. And I, I really like Cleveland a lot, but I was just worried that uh, I was I was worried about catching heat for ranking them too high. But uh, I, re- I like them a lot. Donovan Mitchell's playing like a top 10 player. Obviously, he scored like 100 points the other night. Um, on he's I think he's at 109 true shooting uh, efficiency, 9% above league average, which is fantastic. By far the highest of his career. Um, you know, we talk about slotting. Garland, I feel like, slots in as the, as the secondary the playmaker and scorer. I love Jared Allen at center. Um, Evan Mobley's versatility, I think, is going to really uh, shine in the playoffs. Dean Wade's going to come back from injury. Uh, I would like to see them maybe add a shooter. I think maybe trade a Coro, uh, maybe a pick for a shooter with uh, maybe, a, I don't know. I, I think that could add a forward, small forward position. Um, but yeah, Cleveland is is very good. And Krishna, what, uh, what is their luck adjusted defensive rating? Do you have that? Yeah, I'm uh, pulling that up right now. They were actually second overall in our luck adjusted rating and on defense they are first all right so uh first in defense and second overall uh in overall luck adjusted net rating and on offense they are uh let's see where are they they're 11th on offense um so those are pretty good splits 
Yeah, this is a really good team. They have more than one dynamic guard. They've got some elite, elite playmaking with with those guys. They've got elite uh, the potential for elite pick and roll play with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Taylor, you, you hit the nail on the head with one of the tweets recently showing the year over year uh, rise for him from a uh, what was it like a, a shot creation standpoint? I think uh, he's really taken. You know, it was pull up, uh, pull up three point shooting. Uh, I think it was that using the year over year tool, you were looking at like his overall shot creation. Mm. Maybe I don't know. You schedule a lot of tweets. It's, tweets, it's good stuff. <laughs> but they've got the dynam- dynamicism. I don't know if that's the word from <laughs> the the guards. They have some excellent wing play, uh, like defensively with some of these guys. They have those two bigs that can do a lot. This isn't a team you're going to beat inside at the rim on the boards. Uh, they've got that legit defense like we've talked about. I, I just There's a lot I, I like about them. They generate high-quality looks, and they've got high-end shot makers. So I, I think it's fair if we were talking playoffs to have a question mark around their experience and what that'll end up looking like. Uh, but regular season, this is a really, really solid group. And yeah. they've been they've been excellent this year. And just some numbers on their on their shot quality allowed. So they're second in defensive shot quality allowed. Um, and you know, no surprise, like they're behind Milwaukee. Milwaukee and Cleveland are kind of the two teams that are they're way ahead of everybody. But more interestingly, um, they are Milwaukee in in terms of looking at the shot quality and threes allowed. Um, Milwaukee is 17th, whereas Cleveland is third. So they're managing to do a good job on allowing allowing lower quality threes and lower quality twos. So that's uh, something pretty impressive with their defense. Yeah, I think. Yeah, often it might be a trade-off, but they're able to hold both of those down, which is really, really impressive. Yeah, their defensive versatility with, you know, you could play, you can have Allen or Mobley on the court at all times. You can play bigger because of, honestly, both of their mobility is quite high. Uh, I just think their defensive flexibility from a big standpoint is the best in the league. And I think that could give teams fits, not only in the regular season, it obviously is, but come playoff time, that seems really, really transferable. So what do you think is... um... Like, what would be a good goal for them in the playoffs given the regular season? Because, like, I often think um, what you – like, you're going to have your preseason expectations, and then what you kind of do in the regular season is going to change that. Um, and I think Cleveland has changed theirs in, like, a positive direction now. Like, we should expect more of them in the playoffs. But at the same time, this team has no experience. So what do you think is, like, a good outcome for them in the playoffs? I think if they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost, I wouldn't be like, this was a disappointing year, but this team also has the potential to to win it. So there from, if I were, you know, in their locker room or in the front office, I'd be saying, let's go win it. But you should still be happy if they're able to, in this first year with Donovan Mitchell, get really far, show that you're right there, maybe a, a piece away. And then, uh, I don't know, go go trade for LeBron. <laughs> go, go grab LeBron, <laughs> bring him home, draft Ronnie, and, uh, you know, have a nice storybook ending for his career. I actually was talking about – well, so one thing one before I talk about that. The, the team is young, but they're not super young. Like Jared Allen's like in his seventh year. Donovan Mitchell's in his sixth year. 
Uh, Donovan Mitchell's had playoff success. I know uh, players on the roster are like Mobley and Garland are on the younger side, but like this isn't a bunch of like sophomores, right? Other than Mobley, there are guys like with like legit experience. Kevin Love's won a ring. I think that probably helps a little bit. Um, still shooting the ball at a really high clip. So they are a younger team, but like it's not a bunch of young pups. Uh, also, <laughs> the LeBron trade, I was thinking about it. I, I don't think he can get traded right now because of his contract, but I just like threw out a hypothetical. I was talking with someone where I was like, if the Cavs offered Mobley for LeBron, that would be a very, very interesting uh, trade package, I feel like, for the Lakers to receive back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be seen as unacceptable from their perspective, probably. Yeah, I don't think how, they, with how they operate. Well, no, but it's it's 2K, again, it's kind of a two K thing, but it's just kind of a fun two K thing. Yeah, it it, it just seems kind of uh, yeah, it seems unlikely they would trade Mobley even for LeBron, but I guess who knows? <laughs> it's fun to it's just fun to. to um all right we got boston they are number one in our power rankings they were number one last year or last month um they are very very good uh we've seen them come back down to earth a little bit here uh, in the last few weeks uh, i think that's okay they're five and five in their last 10 the three-point shooting has come back down to earth but we, we knew it would right like they're they're not going to have six guys all be shooting in the 40s percentage wise from three especially when their roster isn't full of like elite shooters but, you know, Tatum's in the MVP race. Uh, things are rolling. Jalen Brown's playing the best basketball of his career. Um, and, th- and things are just honestly looking good for Boston. Yeah. Um, yep. To me, they seem to be the best team by quite a bit right now. Even even with this recent slump, um, our luck-adjusted numbers have them first. Uh, their luck-adjusted net rating 6.33. Their actual net rating is 5.69, so they're actually kind of underperforming their luck adjusted net rating. So you, you basically would expect them to get even better. Like they should, they should have positive regression. And um, they're like uh, about one and a half points ahead of, uh, in terms of luck adjusted net rating, ahead of the second team. So uh, they're they're quite a bit ahead of everyone right now, I think. Um, but at the same time, they might be one of the weaker best teams uh, in the league. Uh, in terms of like past seasons, like I, I don't I have to look at this number, these numbers for some of the previous years. But like if you're just comparing their net rating to past league leaders and net rating, it's definitely lower. Um, but that that kind of says a little more about the league overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like a lot of the process. I see this is a team that's constructed to win. They've they've got the star talent. Tatum and Brown have been fantastic. They've got the vets. They've you know they've been there. They're the most versatile defense in the NBA positionally. Like they've got they've got what you'd want. And given how they've played, I've you know even their their uh, strength of schedule has been more difficult than any of these other top teams other than the Kings that we've spoken about. Like. You know, you got to buy in. They're doing the best and they're doing it harder than other teams are doing it. Uh, so, you know, they can't play themselves. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, it, you know, despite that, it's not like they've had easier shot quality than these other teams. So, or easier uh, strength of schedule than these other teams. So, yeah, I, 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 oh, 
Yeah, I was just going to mention, speaking of the shot quality, they actually have the largest difference between uh, their own offensive shot quality and the shot quality they allow. And it's the largest difference by a lot. So their their difference is 2.19. The second place team is 1.79. That's a, a massive gap. That is a large gap. Uh, one thing that I've been thinking about for a while, is Derek White better than Marcus Smart? No, I like that. You, you say no, Tim? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I... I think it's a conversation to be had. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm I'll do some kidding. research. I've, I've looked at some numbers. I'm just looking at some broad stuff now. Uh, Derek White's true shooting percentage, 59%. Marcus Smart, 54%. So Derek White, five percentage points higher. He actually has a higher defensive EPM, um, 1.4 to 1. Uh, and it's you know not the largest sample size in the world, about half a season. But... I don't know. I really like what Derek White does as a passer, uh, can handle the ball, uh, a really strong defender. I think there was something when I was I was going through years of um, players with an A in on-ball defense, like isolation defense, uh, A in ball screen navigation, uh, handling screens on ball, and then off-ball chaser. And I think he had like the most amount of seasons where in the database going back to 2014 where he had an a in all three of those um i don't know Derek white has some really impressive uh numbers both offensively and defensively can we agree is better than brogdon yes oh man when brogdon's healthy i i guess offensively brogdon clears them but when you account for defense mm. I don't know. That's a that's an interesting discussion. That might be its own podcast. Uh, <laughs> Which we were just trying to figure out who, who how to rank the Boston players. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That's so, actually well, that is podcast. a good idea. Oh man, that's a great idea. Yeah, because Boston has so many good players. Yeah. They got like mm-hmm. seven good players, and it's interesting because yeah. Smart and White, same age, same general position, same offensive role, same defensive role. Like head to head, smart is higher than white or in the same letter grade as him in overall shot making, three point shooting talent, mid range pull talent, finishing talent, playmaking talent, matchup difficulty, he way, way ahead. And uh, his shot quality itself is lower. So I can understand why his efficiency might be lower overall. But from a talent standpoint, I think I think smart edges white out, though there are certainly elements defensively that that White is, I mean, White's a really, really good player. It's it's a close discussion, but at least from our metrics, given that they're doing the same jobs, I feel better about just comparing them head-to-head in a lot of these, and Smart has the edge in most of them. Yeah, I think that one's a little, like, it's, it's a little harder to argue that White's better than Smart, but to me, White over Brogdon uh, seems like a much easier case to make. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm mentioning that because I, uh, I think earlier I tweeted about how I, I preferred the Melton signing to Brogdon and uh, like White and, and Melton are both kind of similar. I'm probably taking Melton, but like just that archetype of player. Um, I'm like, like Taylor, I think I'm pretty high on that type of player. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about here. Like it's crazy that Grant Williams doesn't even come up in the conversation <laughs> and like, cause he's just so far down the list and he's like a pretty quality role player. Uh, also going to be a free agent this year and uh, shooting 43% from three. Uh, going to 
earn himself a nice little payday. Uh, all right, so that's it for the power rankings. So we're going to start from the top. I'm just going to run through the top five teams. We have Boston at number one. We have Cleveland at number two. We have Brooklyn at number three. They had the largest jump up the power rankings from last month. Uh, we had Memphis at four, and we had the Pelicans at five. So we're going to do it again uh, at the uh, beginning of February. We're going to be doing power rankings every month going through the end of the season. Um, anything you guys, uh, any hot takes you didn't get to put out there uh, when we were running through the teams? No, we've been about 100 minutes. I'll save that for the next pod. All right. <laughs> it, this this year does seem fairly open, though. Like, there are... It's I'm finding it hard to draw like lines in the sand between some of the top tiers. I think there's with it. It'll be interesting because there aren't too many sellers this year with the play and keeping as many teams in it as it does. Uh, but I'm interested to see what the trade activity looks like. And if any of these teams can add a key piece that moves them up, because right now there's a, a whole big group of teams. And I think it's going to make for a really fun playoffs. I'm kind of interested to see what the Raptors do because they seem to be pretty close to becoming sellers. Um, they've lost like, I think they're like four and 15 over the last like 19 games. So the kind of the bottom's fallen out there. And um, if OG's available, if Siakam's available, I think, Taylor, I think we could do like a fun pod on just Raptors trades. Like w who we expect to see, like who would you trade out? For OG, who would you trade for Pascal? Um, <laughs> that that might annoy the Raptors fans that still have hope for this season, but um, I think we're probably getting pretty close to where um, they might be sellers. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for our uh, second edition of the Basketball Index Power Rankings. This is for January. For Taylor, uh, or I'm Taylor, for Krishna and Tim, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.